Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, January 15th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... And I will work to make sure our state government's functions reflect the love we have for each other. Tate Reeves addresses the state during his inauguration as Mississippi's 65th governor. We take a close look at his vision for the next four years. And after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, lawmakers respond to the new governor's call to action. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Before we begin, the recent heavy rains throughout the state are causing flooding concerns in many Mississippi communities. And joining us now is the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency Director, Greg Michelle. Good morning, Greg. Hey, good morning, Karen. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Uh, I want to first ask you about the dam in Octibaha County on Octibaha Lake. Uh, we heard yesterday that that dam was in imminent danger of failing, of being breached. Is there an update there? Right, yep. So I spoke with Kristen Campanella this morning. It was a little bit of deterioration overnight. That's major. Uh, there is a slide on the land side of that levee, uh, and that's due to the, the amount of rain that we've had. Uh, the engineers conducted another inspection at 7 o'clock this morning. They are going to continue to monitor that throughout the, 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 the day. Got a little bit more rain coming, so they're worried about the added pressure with the water level rising on that levee. They're going to be making some decisions later today about whether or not to do a mandatory evacuation until the rain subsides. Uh, the problem with levee breaches is that there's, there's, there is a no notice on any type of a breach. So when it happens, it happens very quickly. So this, this concern to safety is about 134 homes, <coughs> excuse me, about 134 homes that are they're downstream of that levee. So, Greg, I know that um, the National Weather Service has issued a flash flood warning for that area specifically, for the dam area, for the lake specifically, and that's until 1045 this morning. But as you said, there is some more rain in the forecast. Do you have any idea how many people have evacuated in that voluntary evacuation? I, I don't know. I do know that they opened up a safe room shelter uh, yesterday to accommodate anyone who didn't have anywhere to go. I don't have actual numbers on that, on the folks that voluntarily left, but most of the people have, have chosen to remain. Uh, but they're going to relook that today. But as you said, there are a number of counties, including Octibaha County, that are still under flash flood warnings, uh, and we've got more rain coming today. So that's a situation we have to continue to watch very closely. Is flooding still a concern? Are there any roads in the state that are underwater now? Um, I don't have a current updated report. I do know, though, that we do have some roads. As of yesterday, we had uh, we had over 100 uh, local roads that were flooded in a number of counties. Yazoo County had a number of roads. Hines County, of course, an area that always flood. Uh, Rankin County as well. And then all over the state, we had some flash flooding. A number of water rescues were conducted yesterday from stranded motorists. We had some uh, landslides over in Vicksburg. No one was hurt, but it did uh, come across uh, some roads there in Vicksburg. So just, a, you know, the rain created quite a mess for us yesterday. Were there any rescues in actual homes? 
we did have some people that had to be uh, removed from their homes, uh, certainly, uh, and they were either uh, relocated with, uh, you know, to family or in uh, temporary shelters. We did have a school yesterday in Jackson that we had to move some students out uh, due to the uh, flash flooding that happened there. So uh, the good news is is that the emergency responders, uh, emergency management agencies of those affected counties responded very quickly and effectively. Uh, no one was injured that I have been reported thus far. So it's just something we have to watch. We've had uh, a lot of rain very early this year, so we're a little bit ahead of where we were last year. Well, Greg, I hope we don't have to talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs> Not that I mind talking to you, but I hope there isn't a reason to. And I thank yeah, you so much for being with us. My pleasure, Karen. Thank you. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. I, Jonathan Tate Reeves, do solemnly swear, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully support the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Mississippi and obey the laws thereof, that I am not disqualified from holding the office of Governor of the State of Mississippi, that I will faithfully discharge the duties of the office upon which I'm about to enter. So help me God. So help me God. Tate Reeves took the oath of office on Tuesday, officially becoming the 65th governor of the state of Mississippi. Highlighting his theme of leading an administration for all Mississippi, Governor Reeves stressed the importance of economic growth through job readiness. A growing, vibrant economy solves more problems than any government giveaway ever could. A government program helps for a month, but a good-paying career helps a family for generations. It is my mission to spend every single day creating a climate where good careers are plentiful with every Mississippian prepared to pursue them. To do this, We must raise our eyeline and our expectations. It must not be our ambition to simply keep up with Arkansas or Alabama. It must be our goal to compete for the very best jobs in all the world. We can do it. It starts with workforce training. I am committed to a history-making increase in workforce training in our state, a skills-based system that will be the envy of the nation. MPB's political analysts, Austin Barber and Brandon Jones, were with our Desiree Frazier during the inaugural address. Barber is a Republican analyst. Jones is a former Democrat member of the House. Both men agreed that Mississippi has the people and the programming to make job readiness a reality. His commitment to focus on job creation, I'm sure... Every governor has his ideals, and every governor wants to be better than the governor before them or the one before, and he wants to to beat the records that a Phil Bryan or a Haley Barber uh, set, and that's a good thing, raise the bar. But he knows he can't just do it by just going and chasing jobs. We have to make sure that our workforce is trained or skilled in the appropriate way and are ready to go to work um, for, for the next big employer who wants to come to Mississippi or to fill those jobs that can be created by the businesses that already exist in Mississippi. And again, if he's raising the bar 
for education to want to compete at a national level. He's saying, I want to spend record amounts of money on workforce training and skills development, and I love to hear that. He'll have to be in this in this Capitol building lobbying to, to make sure that the funding is there. What do you think that's going to look like? Well, I think a lot of that takes place at the community college level. Let, let's face it, uh, that, those our community colleges are uniquely situated to respond to that need, and they've partnered with different uh, industry, different businesses throughout the state to try to mold their curriculum and mold their their system into something that is prepared to turn people out for jobs in those industries. So I think what that will need to mean is a renewed commitment to our community college funding. It, it could mean a renewed commitment to VOTEC training, vocational technology training, which still occurs in many of our high schools, um, recognizing that as early as we can identify talent and uh, fund uh, those types of roles, uh, it's important. I know I come from the Gulf Coast, uh, Pascagoula. We had several industries there that benefited from a strong VOTEC program and community college program. And so when we talk about that, I think we're primarily talking about these educational opportunities that exist within our existing structure, but just making sure that they have the resources they need to actually be competitive. Governor Reeves called upon lawmakers to put the partisanship of the elections aside and focus on the business of serving and helping all Mississippians, especially those uh, most in need. I'd like to take a few moments today to talk about the road ahead of us and about what is behind us. 2019 was a tough campaign year. Some would say it was a full contact campaign. But that campaign is over. Campaigns by necessity highlight differences. Governing is about coming together. Here is my promise. This will be an administration for all Mississippi. That means our two priorities will be defending the loving culture that underpins our quality of life and growing the economy that lifts all of our families. A culture of love and kinship has knitted Mississippi families together and tied them to each other for ages. It is what makes us special in a fast-paced and transient world. I will defend that culture against the erosion that frays societies. And I will work to make sure our state government's functions reflect the love we have for each other. That will mean taking care of foster kids. That will mean getting special needs kids the special help they need. And yes, it will mean cleaning up corrections to provide for the safety of our citizens and the human dignity of all within the system. Former House member Jones tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the tone of the governor's speech is a departure from his tone as lieutenant governor. Lieutenant Governor Reeves was an exceptionally uh, controlling lieutenant governor, I think by any standard. Um, this may be an opportunity to kind of step back and let's see in this laboratory of ideas, this laboratory of solutions, if maybe there aren't some things that we could do 
to enhance our position in some of those important areas. Because I agree with Austin, brain drain and quality of life are essential, and you don't have those things without those key ingredients of those issues becoming a little bit better here in Mississippi. What I heard from Tate Reeves today, he's not only concerned about the Mississippi Delta, he's concerned about the hills, he's concerned about southwest Mississippi, the coast, um, the, the entire state and I'm just very pleased to hear his mentality and his thoughts through that and I don't say one more thing about Tate he's never going to be compared to Phil Bryant in giving a speech Phil Bryant's one of the best uh, uh, retail politicians that we've had Tate is just this opposite from him but I think there was a real respect for the speech that Tate Reeves gave today because it was emotional when he started talking about his dad his mother and his brother. No, he choked up. That's not who Tate Reeves It was very emotional. It was from the heart. And it talked about all of Mississippi, which, of course, is their motto. And I don't just think it was just a bunch of words. I it was not just a bunch that. of words. You know, for a guy who we tend to think of as being, I don't know, cut kind throat. Distant. Yeah, kind of distant. You know, kind of leading with an iron fist over here in the Senate. I mean, let's face it. It, it was um, it was tough sledding sometimes for those senators in that lieutenant governor's office. I think it was great for him to lean in on his family history. It was it was really it, it helped to humanize him in a way that we just haven't seen a whole lot of, even during the course of this past campaign. We heard more about Donald Trump than we heard about Tate Reeves, and so he's a unique politician in the sense that he's been in elected office for over 16 years, and we still have a lot to learn about him. He still has an opportunity to reintroduce himself. Still a young guy. He still has a chance yeah, to kind of write old. that part of the story. Uh, and I think seeing his family, seeing those young girls, you know, his his middle child and my youngest daughter play soccer together, so we know them so well. They're they're an all American family. They really are great kids. And seeing the girls and Ely around him, knowing that they're going to we're going to have this young family in the governor's mansion. I think Brandon makes his point. I, The governor also addressed the brain drain that is affecting Mississippi and offered his personal story as a call for young Mississippians to stay home and move the state forward. When Ely and I graduated from Millsaps, we both had opportunities to work in other states. Now, I think we can all agree people tend to like her better, so she probably had more opportunities than I did. (laughs) We were way too young to be wise But we did make one wise decision that has shaped our lives ever since. Together, as a young couple, we decided to stand our ground in Mississippi. We decided we would get married. We decided to pursue Mississippi careers. We decided we would raise Mississippi kids. And then we decided we would work together to make Mississippi better. I have never regretted it. Lawmakers and voters alike have identified the lagging education system as a factor in Mississippi losing its best and brightest to neighboring states. Republican analyst Austin Barber believes gains have already been made and that Reeves' administration will maintain that course. I think one of the greatest successes of the last eight years for Republicans uh, under Phil Bryan as governor, Philip Gunn as as our Speaker of the House, and of course Tate Reeves as Lieutenant Governor, are the successes that they had in education. Okay, They, They did some things that were not popular at times, but they have proven to be wise decisions that were made. 
Our test scores now are higher than they've ever been. There are things that we can certainly still improve, paying our teachers more, um, figuring out ways to, to help, you know, those that truly need the help, uh, these school districts that are continuing to underperform. But I love what Tate said, uh, what the governor said when he said he wants our teachers and our education systems to rival any in the country. And he even said, I'm not talking about the southeastern average. I'm talking about rival any in the country. He is raising expectations. Will we get there? We don't know. But if we don't try, we'll never get there. I think you're going to see a renewed commitment to recognizing that for some of our innovations and some of our gains that Austin referenced, we still have a challenge. You know, you're not going to hear a governor give an inauguration speech where he says, I don't want to be better than anybody. Let's just sit where we are. So there's nothing new in making those types of claims. But as we enter this 2020 year, we have to recognize right now we are behind the southeastern average. So if we're going to begin to compare ourselves to our national sister states, it would require a significant commitment of resources um, to our existing education. And I think you're going to see something of a renewed commitment to that. I, I truly do. To stay current with the Mississippi legislature, join Austin Barber and Brandon Jones on MPB's At Issue beginning Friday, January 24th at 7.30. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, lawmakers respond to the new governor's call to action. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Can you eat certain foods to help you go through cancer, and what's safe to eat? So what about, for instance, the ketogenic diet? So the ketogenic diet, the theory behind this is if you eat this, you're not going to be utilizing glucose, then the tumors which use that as far as their energy to get bigger, that they're going to be starved and, uh, and it'll help it to die. But the thing to remember is glucose is also one of the main things that the body's normal tissues need as an energy source. So there's not really a relationship between starving the tumor, so to speak, and, uh, and its metabolism through eating a ketogenic diet. So there's not really a lot of data in that. A lot of people would say an alkaline diet. They say, well, if you eat foods that can really alkalize your blood and you have less acidity in your blood, that that can help. Well, our bodies are very good at maintaining a normal pH. And uh, our bodies like to have a neutral pH of 7.4. Our kidneys and our lungs do a great job of maintaining that. So even if you ate a bunch of foods that potentially could change a pH, say, in a liquid, if you put them in the air, it's not going to be the same way in the body. So it's really a big marketing scam if you look at the data behind it. However, most of the foods that you eat on an alkaline diet are extremely beneficial. So things like fresh vegetables, fruits, nuts, lentils, those are good for you. It just doesn't change the pH. So if you're eating that already, the alkalization doesn't work, but those foods do work very healthy. That's exactly some of the things. And then finally, fasting. What can fasting do? Well, if we're talking about intermittent fasting, there is a growing uh, body of evidence that intermittent fasting, and by that I mean anywhere from like 
10 to 12 hours a day of fasting. That's very beneficial. It can get your A1C down, which is sort of a measurement of the last three months of what your glucose is. Certainly much better for you as far as your body's metabolism. Longer periods of time you need to watch out for because you can actually drop your glucose, particularly if you're undergoing treatment for cancer. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. Ready for a new year? This season of Fit to Eat, we'll be cooking up lots of healthy and delicious dishes to get you started out on the right foot. We'll travel to farms all across the state and have some great conversations with a new guest every episode. Registered dietitian Rebecca Turner is back with kitchen hacks and recipe ideas that you've got to try for yourself. It's going to be a great year, so tune in. Join Chef Rob Stinson on the new season of Fit to Eat, premiering January 18th on MPB TV. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Lawmakers were on hand at the Capitol Tuesday to offer their response to Governor Reeves' address. John Polk is Republican senator from Hattiesburg. He tells MPB's Kobe Vance he believes Governor Reeves' leadership signifies a continuation of the conservative policymaking of the last 16 years. Well, I think that the change has already started to occur. Uh, eight years ago when uh, Governor Bryant took over. In fact, go back further than that, 16 years ago when uh, Governor Barber started a transition. Then Phil Bryant followed him with Tate Reeds as lieutenant governor. At that point, we started making changes that have made a big difference in Mississippi, and I see nothing but more changes going forward. Also going forward, he's talking about education as a big feature of his governorship. Uh, How do you see that playing out? We need the best uh, teachers we can get. I think we look at new ways to... Uh, influence education. I think we need to look at new ways to deliver education. And all that's on the table, and I think you'll see some kind of difference in four years. Democrat Senator David Jordan from Greenwood has been serving in the state legislature since 1993. He echoes the need to work together to address Mississippi's key issues, but wishes the governor prioritize health care more in his address. Bottom line is we need to work together, but Three main issues still confront us. That is education, which you did mention. Uh, Health care is another one that I didn't hear much about, if anything. And then also roads and bridges. These are three major problems that we have in the state of Mississippi. If we work together, we can get those done. But I would have uh, enjoyed had I heard him utter something about roads and bridges and uh, also health care. Dana Underwood-McLean is a Republican member of the House from Columbus. She says she was pleased to see education emphasized in the governor's speech. Well, I was inspired. I was excited to hear him talk a little bit about education, workforce development, and uh, I ran on education, so that, that was exciting to me. So, And I really liked what he said about bringing this all together. And what do you think we're going to have to do to keep building education? We just need to make it a priority. Uh, I think there are many things we can do, but I think we need to focus on education because that's the basis for everything else. Workforce development, our economy, everything else. The 2020 legislative session continues through May. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter, and fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.